Welcome to A Flame for Christ, homilies to stir up passionate love for Jesus Christ. My name is Father Joseph Gill, priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, and this is our homily for Trinity Sunday. So let us begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. You know, as Catholics, we pray that brief prayer multiple times each day. Why do we pray the sign of the cross, and what is it all about? So first, let's consider how we make the sign of the cross. So in the Western Church, we use an open hand, which is a sign of blessing. You'll notice that the priest will often give the blessing at the end of Mass with an open hand, and hence, we say that we bless ourselves by using that open hand to make the sign of the cross over us. In the Eastern Church, however, they have a different tradition, and it's really fascinating. Instead of an open hand, they use three fingers together as a sign of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, while the other two fingers united as a sign of Christ's divinity and humanity. So already in the gesture of our hand, we can see a confession of the Trinity or a confession of God's blessing. Then let's consider the words that we say. So the words that we say confess that mystery of the Trinity. Notice that we say, in the name of the Father, not in the names of the Father. Because we're recognizing that God is one. We only believe in one God. But then we go on to profess the three names of the three persons of God. So in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In those words, we're confessing the very core mystery of our faith that God is both one and three. He is one God in three distinct persons. So we say there is one name for the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The three are totally united. This beautiful Trinitarian core of our faith that we make before and after every prayer multiple times each day, saying that this is the very core of what we believe as Catholics. But as we say that confession of faith in the Trinity, we seal the sign of the cross on ourselves. You know, in a sense that we're marking publicly who we are and who we belong to. The cross really is our ransom. It's our price tag, as it were, to remind ourselves that we've been purchased, purchased by the blood of the Lamb, purchased by that cross. And so when Satan comes to tempt us, we can say, no, no, I've already been purchased. My soul has already been sold. It was purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross 2,000 years ago, and I am now invoking that precious blood, that cross, over myself. It's saying all that victory of the cross I now place upon my forehead, my chest, my shoulders, upon my whole being when I make that sign of the cross. You know, there's an amazing story back in the book of Ezekiel where an angel comes to Ezekiel and tells him that God is going to chastise all of Israel for its unfaithfulness. And Israel, once again, had strayed and started to worship these false gods of Baal and the other Canaanite gods. And so, God was going to strike down all of those who were disobedient and who had strayed from the worship of the true God. But there were still some people in Jerusalem, some good people who had not gone over to these false gods. And so in order to not punish the good with the unjust, this angel was going to go around. He took this little writing case and actually put a mark on the foreheads of those who are faithful to God. That mark is the tau. Now the tau, T-A-U, is the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And it's shaped remarkably like a cross. It looks somewhat like the uppercase T, which is probably what Jesus was crucified on, a T with the little sign above it that said, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. And so all these people whom the angel was passing over, whom the angel was giving the grace of mercy to, were marked with the sign of the cross, the Tau upon their foreheads. It's a beautiful foreshadowing of what we do when we put the cross upon ourselves. It says that we are no longer under justice, but under mercy, that we place ourselves under the forgiving power of God. 
And so in the same way, those of us who are signed with the cross are are preserved from the justice and receive his mercy instead. There's another great Old Testament uh, story that I think is a great parallel to this, and that is the coming out of Egypt. So as these Egyptians had enslaved the Israelites for so many years, and Moses was about to free them, and Moses received from God the instructions to take the blood of the lamb and cover the doorposts of the house. And when they saw the blood of the lamb over the doorposts, the angel of death would pass right by. And in the same way, when we make the sign of the cross, we are invoking the blood of the lamb, the blood of the lamb of God upon ourselves. We are saying that that blood that was once smeared upon the cross as the price for our redemption is now applied to our souls, and therefore the angel of death will pass over us, and we will experience only the fullness of life that God wants for us. But let's consider then, where do we put that sign of the cross? So notice that we put it on our forehead, on our heart, and on our shoulders. We make that sign of the cross, pointing to our forehead, our heart, and our shoulders. Why? Because what are we put here on earth to do? We are here on earth to know, love, and serve God. And so we place the sign of the cross on our forehead, asking God to consecrate our minds and our thoughts to him. We place it on our heart, asking that our desires and our loves may be given over to him. We place it on our shoulders, that these shoulders which bear the burdens, bear the heat of the day, may be strong enough with the sign of the cross to serve him. So to know, love, and serve God is shown in the very actions that we do in the sign of the cross. You know, a lot of times we treat the sign of the cross as if it were just a prelude to prayer, but the sign of the cross itself is actually an immensely powerful prayer in its own right. There's a great story from the life of St. John the Apostle, who was also the evangelist, the one who wrote the Gospels. He had been preaching in Ephesus and was so incredibly powerful that thousands upon thousands of people were abandoning the worship of the false gods and coming to worship the true God through Jesus Christ. And so the pagan priests were rather jealous of him, and, and the Romans wanted to kill him because they were, he was spreading this, this gospel. So they ended up inviting him over for dinner one day, and they planned to poison a chalice full of wine that they gave him to drink. And John, would, as was his custom, accepted the invitation. As, as he reclined at table, he made the sign of the cross over the chalice, and all of a sudden a snake crawled out of the chalice. And that's the power of the sign of the cross. In fact, listen to the words of St. John Vianney, who discusses the power of the cross. He says, The sign of the cross is the most terrible weapon against the devil. Thus, the church wishes not only that we have it continually in front of our minds to recall to us just what our souls are worth and what they cost Jesus Christ, but also that we should make it at every juncture ourselves, when we go to bed, when we awaken during the night, when we get up, when we begin any action, and above all, when we are tempted." The sign of the cross is indeed one of the most powerful prayers that we have. It invokes the Trinity, it seals us with the blood of Christ, and it puts to flight the evil one and reminds us who we are. So let us make that sign with great devotion, and let us make it frequently and piously throughout the day. It's a very powerful sign of who we are and who we belong to. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.